Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. Why did God the Father create Barah Ministries? God the Father provided this ministry as a place where you can be reminded constantly that Jesus Christ is God. The Lord himself calls himself many things. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6, he says, Thus says the Lord God, that's God the Son, the King of Israel, the Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. That means he is eternal. And there is no God besides me. Bold information coming from the Savior of the universe. The Lord Jesus Christ is the central figure in divine history, and he is the still point in a turning universe. God the Father allows us to learn about his Son, through the study of the Word of God. At Barah Ministries, we make a difference by teaching the Word of God verse by verse from the Lord's perspective and not from man's perspective. Barah Ministries benefits both unbelievers and believers. Unbelievers get the gospel message, the good news concerning Jesus Christ's salvation offer. Believers in Christ learn the Word of God through studying the Bible, which is called the inerrant canon of scripture, a document with no errors, so they can know the Lord and have a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with him. If you want to know the Lord, the Bible is your source of truth about him. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world by Satan, by his cosmic system of thought, and by the flesh resident in you. Instead, keep on being transformed by God the Holy Spirit through the renewing of your mind as you study the Word of God, so that you may see clearly through the testing of experience what the will of God is. And the will of God is that which is good for you, that which is acceptable to Him, and that which is perfect in result. God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world for a finite time. Satan encourages people to reject the Lord and his people. Here's a post from the internet. How do Christians, these armchair charlatans, know what their God wants, thinks, and does? Just so you know, a charlatan is a person who claims to have more knowledge than he really has. Here was my response. If we didn't know what God wants, thinks, and does, why bother worshiping him? 
Fortunately, we do know what he wants, thinks, and does because he delineates it clearly in the Bible, which is his mind, his word, his exact thoughts. The response, he does no such thing except in your mind. The Christian Bible is not the word of a God, it's the word of man. The Holocaust, for most logically thinking people, destroyed all belief in divinity. Well, people who place their eyes on mankind forget that God has an enemy who both sponsors and perpetrates evil. God gets blamed for what his enemy does. Even though God allows evil, he does not sponsor it. How do we know? The Bible tells us so. James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 say this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and God himself does not tempt anyone. James 1.14 But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. So don't let Satan's false teachers ruin your victory party with their evil speculations about God. They don't know God and they don't know anything about what God thinks. Those of us who study the word do know what God thinks and we're certainly glad we do. Today's Bible lesson, according to the Lord, forgiveness doesn't take two. According to the Lord, forgiveness doesn't take two. Why does God forgive us? According to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, he does it for himself. I, the Lord, even I am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. That's a great lesson about forgiveness. Why do we forgive? We forgive for our own sake. An omniscient Lord certainly knows your sins, and he certainly has an infinite ability to remember, yet he forgets our sins for his own sake, giving him total control over his own mentality. He releases us from debt. That's what forgiveness is. The Lord wants us to forgive in the same way so that we are never in bondage to the mental prison created by bitterness and unforgiveness. In today's lesson, we'll assess the message of Paul's letter to Philemon about forgiveness, and as we do every month, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. Well, let's hear some music. God places his believers in a sphere of protection, a geodesic dome. And in case you don't know what a geodesic dome looks like, in case you've never been to Disney World, in case you've never watched TV in your life, there's a geodesic dome on the screen for those of you who have video. In grace, God is always giving his believers all the things we can't earn and don't deserve. So we are in that geodesic dome of unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace. Here's Chris Tomlin to remind us about God with his song, Your Grace is Enough. Sinner's heart 
His grace is enough for you. His grace is enough for me. Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for forgiving us. When Adam sinned, you certainly had an open and shut case against him and against the whole human race. Yet you did not hold Adam's sin against him. Instead, you did what only you would do. You gave him mercy. You gave him what he didn't deserve, a second chance. And that is your attitude toward all of your creatures. Thank you for loving us unconditionally and for loving us so much that you gave your uniquely born son to die so that the relationship between you and all mankind could be repaired, a word called reconciliation. You directed your wrath toward Jesus so that every one of your creatures could choose to be saved. As we study the word today, help us to have your perspective about forgiveness. Teach us to forgive as you forgive. Help us to share your goodness with others so they can be saved as well. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, according to the Lord, forgiveness doesn't take two. According to the Lord, forgiveness doesn't take two. Well, Paul's letter to Philemon is a letter about forgiveness and reconciliation. Now, we know what reconciliation is. That's a repair of a breach in a relationship, just like the breach that Jesus Christ repaired when he came to earth, lived a sinless life, and allowed himself to be uh, put on a cross by sin sinful men. And the letter is also about forgiveness. Now, what Paul is doing in the letter to Philemon is uh, suggesting to a friend how he ought to handle a situation in which he has been wronged. He's been betrayed. He's been stolen from when he was doing nothing but giving Onesimus a chance. And Paul reminds Philemon while simultaneously reminding us that in God's plan, the forgiven must forgive. Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 says this, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, that's a third class condition if, which means maybe you will, maybe you won't, you have a choice. If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you for your transgressions. When we seek to punish the one who deserves it because he has wronged us, we put ourselves in a mental position of bitterness, which turns over control of our serenity to others. It becomes a root springing up, causes a lot of trouble, and by it many are defiled. Who needs forgiveness in your life? That was the question that was posed when we talk about the letter to Philemon. And you know what? The, the question demands names. Who are the people that need forgiveness in your life. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is an intentional decision to let go of resentment or anger for an offense. Put that up. For a flaw, for a mistake, or for a betrayal perpetrated against you. When we forgive, we cancel a debt. To forgive lessens the power of an act's grip on you by dismissing it even though the scar the act caused may never go away. 
we are to be as God is in the matter of forgiveness. The Apostle Paul was willing to pay Onesimus' debt. Why do we forgive? For the same reason God forgives. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, he does it for himself. I, the Lord, even I am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Have you ever thought of it that way? Have you ever thought that forgiving was for you? Because most of the time we think that when we forgive, it's for the other person. No, it's for you because it allows you to release something that is bothering you. Without forgiveness, relationships can't last. If you think that you're going to be in a relationship and that in the course of that relationship, you aren't going to get wronged in some way, you are out of your mind. And you shouldn't get into a relationship if you think, if that's your expectation, going into a relationship. Here's the human approach to forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 30, the Lord says this, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. Matthew 18, 24, And when the king had begun to settle the accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents, that's about 10 years' wage, was brought to him. Matthew 18, 25. But since the slave did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had, and that repayment be made with the money that was gathered from the sale. Matthew 18, 26. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before the king, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. Matthew 18, 27. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. So he did more than he was asked to do. He let him out of the slave relationship, and he forgave the debt. Matthew 18, 28. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. It's a hundred days' wages. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. Matthew 18, 29. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. Matthew 18, 30. But the slave was unwilling to have patience and went and threw the other slave in prison until he should pay back what was owed. That's the human response to forgiveness. You forgive me, but I'm not going to forgive anybody else. That's not cool. How soon we forget. But in God's plan, the forgiven must forgive. In the matter of forgiveness, we must not be one way in terms of expecting forgiveness for ourselves, but not being willing to forgive anyone else. Forgiveness is a choice. It does not take two. It takes one. And as such, it puts you in complete control of your own mental serenity. When we are wronged, the easy choice is resentment, the desire for vengeance, the demand for justice, the bitterness, the disruption of a relationship. And most times, the relationship never recovers. I remember I was playing basketball, and somebody would foul me in a dirty way. Maybe they elbow me or something like that. And you see this all the time in sports. And immediately, you want to retaliate. Not me. 
I would just wait. <laughs> About five minutes later, the person that followed me went up for a shot, and my elbow accidentally ran into their ear. It was horrible. And so they were having trouble hearing for the rest of the game. But it was so far removed from the original thing that it was easily forgotten. See, but that's not what we do in the matter of forgiveness. You know, as soon as somebody hurts us, we want to hurt them back. And I just recommend that you wait before you hurt now. <laughs> that was not really the point of that whole thing, but it was convenient. It was sitting right there. I, I had to do it. But isn't it great that the Lord doesn't treat us that way? Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, God the Father demonstrates his own unconditional love toward all mankind. And that while we were yet sinners, and what's a sinner in the Bible? A sinner is not a believer in Christ. A sinner is an unbeliever. A saint is a believer in Christ. God the Father demonstrates his own unconditional love toward all mankind in that while we were sinners, while we were unrighteous, ungodly unbelievers, God the Father sent the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, to die a sacrificial death for us. He didn't have to do that. He could have just sent us to the lake of fire, brushed his hands together. Okay, that's that. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say this, God the Father loved the world unconditionally, and he loved the world so much that he gave his uniquely born son, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be crucified on a cross so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but has eternal life. John 3, 17, For God the Father did not send God the Son, the Lord, into the world to judge the world, but the Father sent the Son into the world that the world might be saved through him. Forgiveness is given. That's why the word give is buried inside the word forgiveness, because it's something that you give away. Forgiveness is totally in your control. It's impossible to be in a relationship with another person without being hurt by the other person. So the question for you is this. Can you forgive when you're wronged? What I want you to notice as you reread Paul's letter to Philemon in the coming week is the parallels between how Paul suggests how forgiveness ought to be handled and how God handles forgiveness. How do you handle forgiveness? How you handle forgiveness sets you apart from other people in the world. It's you saying, you don't deserve what I'm about to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. The people you forgive aren't getting away with anything. God handles them. They will learn the lesson. Forgiveness frees you. Isn't it time to refresh someone who has hurt you? I don't believe you hurt me. So I'm going to say it again. Isn't it time to refresh someone who has hurt you? Proverbs chapter 25 verses 21 and 22 say this. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give him water to drink. Proverbs 25, 22, for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Forgive as the Lord 
forgives you. In this letter, you get to see a real Christian living Christianity and asking a fellow Christian to do the same. Teaching you with this letter to Philemon, the Lord is asking the same of you. Forgiveness. How will you respond to the Lord's request? Forgiveness doesn't take two. It only takes you. Who are the people in your life that you need to forgive? By the way, just because you forgive doesn't mean the scars go away, does it? Scars are still there. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. With all the other not quite We'll all and never get it right But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time Cause I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus when Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight You picked 12 outsiders Nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose so when I hear that devil start talking to me saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody, all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing, I'm living for the world.
this I, Paul, say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows Not grudgingly or under compulsion, not tithing. God loves And it to the board. There goes check one. Heck, check one. How about that? Denny's got the magic touch. That's what it is. <laughs> Thank God. Okay, so where was I? Should I start over on the offering? Okay, because this is a great message. All right, so we're starting over on the offering message. When we give at the offering, God wants us to give abundantly, voluntarily, thoughtfully, cheerfully, prayerfully, generously, and enthusiastically, just as he does. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8, say this, Now this I, Paul, say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give just as he is purposed in his heart by choice, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is a grace-oriented giver. 
2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God can make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance to give for every good deed. Believers in Christ, check your attitude as you give. Make sure your attitude is an exact reflection of the abundant, voluntary, thoughtful, cheerful, prayerful, generous, and enthusiastic sacrifice that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has towards you, which he made clear at the cross. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. I'm blessed because at Barah Ministries, we let the Bible be our guide to life. Amen. We let God leave our li- lead our life in every way possible. We let him lead our, deci- our, our problems, our decisions, and our life in every way. We even see this verse quite a bit, Proverbs 3, Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Jesus and he will make your path straight. And this verse made me think, we give so much to God. We give every day. We give him our problems. Cast your cares on the Lord. Cast your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. We give him our problems every day, whether it's health problems, money problems, school problems, whatever it is. And then in the same way, we give, his, we give him all of our decisions in life. Say, the Bible says, lack wisdom, seek him. He'll give you everything you need to know. So we give that, our decisions to God. And in, in that way, we give our whole life to God. We, give, we let him lead our life in every possible way. So it's inter- interesting to me when it comes to the offering that it's hard to give that to God. We give so much to God. We give him our problems, our decisions, and our life, but we won't give him our money, our financial stuff. Amen. <laughs> and it made me think. I was telling William, I'm like, he was brushing his teeth, and he said he didn't want to floss because it hurt. And I said, well, if, if you're not flossing enough, if you're not doing enough, if it, if you're, if it hurts, you're not doing it enough, is what I told him. And that made me think in a lot of different ways in life, if it hurts, you're not doing it enough. If, you're gonna, if, if it hurts to give it the offering, you're not doing it enough. If it hurts to work out, you're not doing it enough. If you're hurt to do things, it's not you're not doing it enough. So it made me think that way. And, you know, when we give, we give everything to God, but we don't give him our money, we don't give him our financial support. And we're supporting a ministry here that's a divine, divinely supported ministry by God. And so we thank you when you're giving to this ministry because we are charlatans, but in a good way. We want everybody to be charlatans. I'm the lead charlatan asking for your money, and we appreciate it. <laughs> that's, I guess that's the word of the day, right? You've got to try to fit that in somewhere else. Look at these charlatans. <laughs> it's like people that say concur. I concur. They say charlatans, so... Anyway, we're proud of letting God lead our lives here, and when you give at the offering, it's a form of worship, and the ultimate way of saying you're letting God control your life, because you're giving money away that we feel like controls our lives. And I, I would encourage you to all to read, read on in that chapter down to verse 10. pastor really likes verse 10. But read on in that verse, and it'll support what I'm saying at the offering. And so really appreciate everybody, whether you're non-res or resident, especially the resident, the beautiful faces here. Love to see you, and that includes you, Pastor. And so, hit it, Zach.
Lord's Supper celebration, the Lord wants you to experience the true freedom forgiveness provides. The Lord wants you to experience the true freedom forgiveness provides. Welcome to the Lord's Supper celebration. As we remember the Lord, let's relax and enjoy memories of the things the Lord has done for us, especially His work on the cross on our behalf. Concerning the Lord's Supper, the Lord commands in Luke, Chapter 22, verse 19, keep on doing the Lord's Supper in remembrance of me. The Lord wants you to keep on thinking about him. He is the source of everything special about you, and he is the provider of everything special in your life, especially your so great salvation. Here's what the Lord says in John chapter 6, verse 51. He says, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the living bread that came down out of heaven. That's Jesus announcing that he is deity. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Third class condition if. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. You have a choice. And the bread which I will give is my flesh, which is given to provide the resurrection life for the whole world. The Lord's Supper celebration reminds us that the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ at the cross provided the opportunity for every creature to be saved. The Lord was all in for us. Jesus created the opportunity for anyone willing to trust him just once for eternal life to be saved for all time. And, And at that point, you can live together forever with him. He is the light for all who are in spiritual darkness. Your relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the most important relationship in your life. That's true if you're a believer in Christ, and it's even more true if you're an unbeliever. No matter who you are, the Lord said at the cross, I will pay the bill for your sins. The Lord's Supper especially is for the Lord's born-again ones, those who are spiritually alive, those who placed who were placed into union with Christ by God the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation through the one true baptism, the baptism of God the Holy Spirit, who turned us into eternal companions with Christ in union with Christ. Today's Lord's Supper is about forgiveness. The Lord wants you to experience the true freedom forgiveness provides. Do Christians need to ask God for forgiveness after every sin? Do Christians need to ask God for forgiveness after every sin? Answer me. Absolutely not. Perhaps a better question, do Christians ever have to ask God for forgiveness of any sin? No. The loud and resounding answer to the questions is no. Yet how many times have you done it? Christians who do this are not looking at forgiveness through God's eyes. They're imposing, they're imputing to God their attitude toward forgiveness, which is conditional and arbitrary. When Christians ask God for the forgiveness of sins, when Christians, especially pastors, talk about the need to repent of our sins, whatever that means, it demonstrates a complete ignorance about who the Lord is as a person and about what the Lord's work did for us at the cross. Let's be clear. At the cross, the Lord paid for every sin every creature would ever commit, past, present, and future. His work is always perfect, 
His work was done once, and His work is totally sufficient. His work is completed for all time. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is totally sufficient in everything He does. So if you don't get that, then you'll keep on asking for something that you already have. From the cross, the Lord said seven things, the greatest of which is the Greek word tetelestai. In English, we translate this expression, it is finished. In the Koine Greek language, the expression is a financial idiom, paid in full. In other words, the sins of every creature are paid in full. When a debt is paid in full, you owe nothing else on the debt. It's paid once and for all time. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says this, For by one offering, the offering of Jesus Christ at the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Who are the ones who are sanctified? Believers in Christ are sanctified. What does sanctified mean? That once you become a believer in Christ, you are set apart for an amazing set of privileges, once and for all time, from the moment of salvation. See, God doesn't need to keep doing things over and over and over again like we do. Of course, the way uninformed Christians look at the God that they have manufactured in their minds is that he does things progressively. Their God is waiting for them to ask so he can forgive them. These Christians see sin as a debt they have to pay. Like a loan from a bank, they think of themselves as having to make payments for their own sins, one payment after another. So they sin, and then they feel bad as if this impresses God, and then they feel sorry, and then they ask their God, will you forgive me? And of course, the outcome of their forgiveness is in doubt, because they're not sure what the God they have manufactured is going to do. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, The real Lord has perfected once and for all time those who are sanctified, and that is every believer in Christ. Your forgiveness for every sin you have committed in the past, for every sin you are committing now, and for every sin you will commit in the future have already been paid for by God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at the cross. Your sin debt is settled. Romans chapter 5 verse 20 to Romans chapter 6 verse 2, and there's no chapter break in the original languages, says this, Romans 5 20. The law came in alongside sin so that law breaking, that is sin, would increase. Wherever there's a law, sin occurs, and it keeps on increasing. That's why when it says 55 on the freeway, you're going 70. Because once a law is set, you're going to break it. The law came in alongside sin so that law-breaking sin would increase. But where law-breaking and sin increased, God's grace overflowed even more. Romans chapter 5, verse 21. The Lord provided grace abundantly in the presence of sin so that as sin reigned as king in death, that's our spiritual death in Adam from physical birth, even so, by means of the Lord's grace, we believers in Christ would reign as kings through imputed righteousness. At the moment of your salvation, 
God credits his own righteousness to you and you become perfect in God's eyes. Not perfect in your own eyes. You just keep taking out the rubber hose and beating yourself up for all your little imperfections from that point on. But God doesn't look at you that way. He sees you just like he sees his son. And he sees you as perfect. We are spiritually alive and perfect in union with Christ. And we have eternal life from God, the resurrection life, through our union with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 6, 1. What shall we believers in Christ say then face to face with these things? Are we to continue sinning so that God's grace may increase? Because when we sin, God gives us more grace. Should we just sin then so we can get the grace? Romans 6, 2. May it never be. Absolutely not. Ook! How shall such ones as we believers in Christ, the children of a king, we who died to sin as an established fact at the moment of our salvation, still live in sin as if sin is still our master? Sin is no longer master over us because we're not under the law. We're under grace. We shall not keep on sinning because God is graceful when we sin. Is it okay with you that the Lord paid for your sins once and for all time? Is it okay with you that the matter of your sins is settled? Is it okay for you to enjoy the fact that an omniscient God knows the sins you will commit even before you commit them? Is it okay with you that the Lord understands that you will continue to make mistakes as you learn after salvation? Is it okay with you that the Lord has your sins covered? There's a reason the Lord Jesus Christ is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. In Luke chapter 22, verse 69, the Lord himself says, From now on, the Son of Man, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, one of his many titles, Son of God, Son of Man, will be seated at the right hand of the power of God the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ isn't sitting down on the job. His work on your behalf is finished, especially the work of paying for your sins. Are you willing to simply enjoy what God has done for you? Or do you need to keep being miserable because of your disappointment with yourself that you are not perfect? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, the Lord says this, It was for freedom that Christ set us believers in Christ free. Therefore... Keep on standing fast in the freedom and do not ever again be subject to the yoke of slavery. God's enemy, Satan, inspires you to disregard your freedom and to keep yourself in a state of mental slavery. Say no thanks. Let's enjoy the freedom the Lord's person and his work provide. Well, let's enjoy the elements. Bread and wine. The Lord gave us these things to remember him. We will enjoy the elements together in a few moments as we listen to the Lord's Supper song. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 28, tell us the reason the Lord wants us to celebrate this meal together. While the apostles were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke the bread and gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is being broken 
for you. And when Jesus had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. My blood poured out for whosoever, for the forgiveness of sins. In his body, Jesus Christ bore the wrath of God the Father. With his blood, Jesus Christ covered our sins. With his death, Jesus Christ ushered in a new covenant of grace, not law. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says this, Sin shall not be master over you, believers in Christ. You are not under the law, you are under grace. We celebrate to remember our sin substitute, the one risen from the dead to prove his deity, the one who will come again to gather us unto himself, Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, who forgives us once and for all time through his work on the cross. We celebrate him and we are grateful for what he keeps on doing for us. Enjoy the elements as we listen to Crowder remind us we are forgiven. Six feet under, I could have been lost forever. 
Yes, I'd be in that fire But now there's fire inside of me Here I am, a dead man The closing moments of our lesson today could be the 10 most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants from you is for you to make the most important decision of your life. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you have the chance to be precious in God's sight. Psalm 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones, his saints, his children his believers in Christ. The fact that God wants you is a great thing to know as you get older because there will be a day when it is apparent to you that no one gets out of this life alive. What's going to happen to you when you close your eyes in this life? Will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? Well, God has an enemy, Satan, the ruler of this world, and he offers a counterfeit lifestyle to blind your mind. It's called religion, to mislead you into thinking that you're saved when you're not. Roman Catholicism is one of those counterfeits. Here's an excerpt from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2010. It says, moved by the Holy Spirit and by charity, we can merit for ourselves and for others the graces needed for our sanctification, for the attainment of eternal life. Satan wants you to think you can work your way to heaven, earning your own salvation. He wants you to think you can pray for the salvation of others after they have died. He's lying. You can't. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, It is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, which is God's evaluation. Romans chapter 11, verse 6 says this, If salvation is by grace, and of course it is, it is no longer on the basis of your works. Otherwise, grace as a free gift from the source of God is no longer grace. It's no longer free. If you have to work for a free gift, then the work makes you deserve the gift. In salvation, there is no work you could do that is impressive enough to God to save you. The Lord provides us with the Bible to illuminate the path to heaven. John chapter 20, verse 31 says this, These things written in the Bible have been written 
so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord taking on human form, and that by believing in him, you may have the resurrection life, eternal life in his name. The Bible contains the Lord's exact thinking. It is your owner's manual for life, and it obliterates the delusion that any of us are good people in God's eyes. The Bible says we're all bad people. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All creatures have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, It is written, There is no creature who is righteous, not even one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 says, All in union with Adam at physical birth, and that's every human being who is ever born, are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. Your condition at physical birth is not your fault, but it is your circumstance. But the good news is that the Lord Jesus Christ did something about your problem. He has a plan for your salvation because he doesn't want anyone to go to the lake of fire. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation as some accuse him of. Instead, he is patient toward unbelievers, put it up, not wishing for any to perish in the lake of fire, but for all to come to repentance, which is a voluntary change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So how can you get to heaven? Right where you sit, right now, you can tell God the Father that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the moment of eternal life for you. Acts chapter 16 Verse 31 says this, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved by God, you and everyone in your household who also believes. The one way, the only way to get to heaven is through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 14 verse 6 says this, Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation and I am the truth through the word of God and I am the resurrection life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven but through believing in me. Who is this God who saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, I, Paul, deliver to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day, according to the Old Testament scriptures. Believing in Jesus Christ is your acknowledgement that you can't do a thing to get to heaven on your own. You confirm that being a good person does not get you to heaven. It is wiser to let God save you, because once God does something, he never changes his mind. John chapter 10, verse 28 says this, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, give eternal life to believers in Christ, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You can't lose your salvation. And if anyone tells you that you can lose your salvation, they're lying to you. Many people in this world think they don't need a Savior because they are basically good people. These people are like those who defend themselves in a lawsuit. The joke in the legal community 
is anyone who represents himself in a lawsuit has a fool for a client. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this, There is salvation in no one else, and there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Reject a relationship with Christ? In Matthew chapter 25, verse 30, the Lord shares the consequences. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, the lake of fire, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So heed the warning in John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on Often, this false standard in a relationship extends long into adulthood. To be fair, there are quite a few parents who express disappointment when their children make mistakes. But let's make one thing clear. God is not like that. Here's June Murphy to remind us how we must understand God with her song, I Can't Disappoint You.
Almighty God and Father, thank you for offering your creatures a lifestyle of freedom. Thank you for being so gracious that you do everything for us so that we can't possibly ruin what you've created for us. A so great salvation and a relaxing and restful life of freedom. As we go forward into the world this week, remind us to offer the rest to every person we meet, one person at a time, so that others may get to know you and so they can never again be entangled in a yoke of mental slavery. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Uh, We'll discuss the lesson and have the prayer circle right after this lesson. Join us live or on Zoom immediately following. If you've got biblical questions, you can ask the pastor, pastor at baraministries.com. Keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening.